Welcome to Making the Table, Black Women Podcast with parents, Timory, Jasmine, and Sunny. We get to have an amazing time today because we get to talk about music, music. It's like my favorite thing. I love music. <laughs> um, so today we are talking about some of just different songs that have themes that really correlate um, with as a counter narrative. Uh, that uh, apply to social justice, decolonization, and education, whichever. So we're going to jump into what is one of our favorite songs or, you know, a particular song that connects you with anything that we've been talking about in our Radical Pedagogy as Practices course. So who wants to go first? I'm always going to, I don't know why I always say parents should go first, so I'm going to try to go Jasmine doesn't like when I make her go first. So, Timory, <laughs> you up, girl. It's you. You got to pick the sick person first. No. <laughs> um, so, for podcast listeners, I feel like death today. So, ignore that and focus on me talking about myself. So, the song that I picked was This Is America by Childish Gambino. Um... I really love this song because every single time that I watch it, specifically the video, like I get something different from it or I notice something different about it. And um, I really like that it, it it's kind of a counter narrative in that it's describing a little bit of an actual narrative. So there's a lot of different undercurrents in the video and in the song whenever you're watching it. I highly recommend that people don't just listen to This Is America, like definitely watch it if you've never watched it. There's a lot of things that you're gonna notice or that you may not be paying attention to when you're just listening to the song. So I really like it because it seems to be about a lot of just like self-reflecting on not just people as individuals, but our current society as well. And it's not just focusing on like, what are white people doing wrong, but what are like, how are black people surviving within this society and like kind of trying to um, acculturate or assimilate as much as possible within this society to get through what is happening within the world. So um, I'm sure lots of people have listen to the song but I think things that are important in the video to pay attention to are like how is Childish Gambino acting right like I think a lot of people don't necessarily notice that or if they do it's for the wrong reasons so definitely encourage people to reflect on that and then um, what's going on in the background so don't pay attention to what's happening right in front of your face like what's happening in the background and what's going on there Um, I think that's really important to pay attention to and watch it through like a couple of times because you're going to notice different things every single time. So there's a lot that goes into it. I remember when the song first came out and I watched it a couple of times. And then I also like was looking it up because I wanted to make sure that I was like, understanding a little bit of the message that Childish Gambino was trying to portray. And so there's a lot of like heavy different social themes in there that I definitely think people should 
um, look into, absolutely. But I think that's probably the biggest thing that it relates to for me is the fact that it's really um, reflective of it. Like it, it points a mirror at us and it points a mirror at our society and asks us to consider like how our current actions are harmful and what it's what it's hiding in the background, essentially. So I think that's it for me. Timory, I love, so you said like so much. I, I didn't want to interrupt you because you were like on a roll. Um, but I love how you started off, you talked, well, first of all, you brought up, you said, hey, when you're watching a video, don't just look at what's right in front of you. Pay attention to what's going on in the background. And it really made me think about, just as we're correlating it to some of the things that we've read this uh, semester, it really made me think about how um, what I've been seeing is um, particularly seeing, you know, people or politicians say, you know, really rage against the quote-unquote wokeness of education without really addressing what the quote woke education is saying. Um, so we might be, you know, it's almost like they're waving this flag about, oh, woke, it, you know, it's this or it's that, it's terrible. You don't want your kids in that, it's not education. But behind the scenes, what we're seeing is, is people systematically placing themselves in areas or in positions of power to strip um, our young people and our next generation of true history. So my, we can almost get distracted um, and get angry over one particular thing, but what's really going on behind the scenes is really a destruction of education in America, period. Um, so I love that you brought that up about uh, the particular song with, um, it's Childish Gambino, right? Uh, for yes. Right. So I love that you brought that up. But then you started talking about, you used this word and I never heard it before. So I wanted you to say it again. You didn't say culturate. Did you say acculturate? How did you say it? Yes. What did that mean? Because I, I, didn't, I didn't know. So I So <laughs> I, which girl, maybe I'm using it wrong, but I always, <laughs> I always took acculturated to mean like, you're not necessarily, um, like assimilating to the culture you're mm -hmm. learning how to create your own culture sustainably within that culture so you know as as we know a lot about about black culture in america it's very different from african culture and it's very different from our quote-unquote dominant culture that we have in our society yeah now. So like we've really taken this chance, even our religions, right? Like our religions are very different. If you go to a black Baptist church versus any other Baptist church, it's gonna be a very different situation. Very you know? true. Southern Baptist is a very different expectation and, and experience than an African-American Baptist church. This right. is very good, you're right. Right, so I always took like acculturation to mean essentially that your way of surviving is your way of like trying to um, trying to resist just a little bit while while still staying enough under the radar to survive. So that's kind of how I take it. So you know, black people come up with our own dances. We come up with you know, AVE. We come up with religions. We come up with our own hairstyles. We come up with our own fashion and. We come up with all of these different things 
And a lot of people tend to take away from those things and they tend to cherry pick those things that they like. But it really is a way for Black people and it has been historically a way for Black people to survive. Even our own foods, you know, that we brought with us and that we have changed with our own cooking styles and things like that. You know, it's really, we've really done a lot to come up with our own culture while still being within this other culture. And I think that really speaks to the strength and the survivability of Black people. You know, every time that Mm -hmm. we've been pushed down or forced back down, essentially, we have survived and in in fact thrived. And I really like that you brought up that um, we, you know, we're having our education or these different education styles or curriculums or programs or whatever are being forced back down and a lot of times you see politicians using woke in a negative manner which is very perfect for what has happened historically like woke has now become dog whistle and people are using woke what was supposed to be a beneficial term or a positive term that we came up with to wake people up has now become a dog whistle to essentially say um you don't want to do that you don't want to be a part of that that's what those black people do you know or that's what yeah that's what those BIPOC people do and we're all the same here we don't need to worry about any of that stuff you know like it's become a way to um once again make what we're trying to accomplish negative and so yeah and that happens frequently you know you see a lot of terms that people come up with any people of color come up with that turn into dog whistles for politicians in order to get their their narrative across which is really unfortunate well and we see that with even black lives matter like it became this thing and and you know it it was literally a quote it was literally a tweet that happened and it became this movement. And so now, you know, uh, whether people are, you know, doing the people who originally said it are doing well or not, um, it has come to mean so much more than three women. You know, it has come to mean so much more than one particular city um, or one particular incident. And so you're right, we we use, you know, uh, typically our country, whenever they see someone, especially when they're a dominant culture, whenever you see uh, someone who might be infringing or um, gathering up support to take power from you, um, you're gonna do whatever you have to do to fight for that. Nobody in power uh, wants to give away power. Um, And I think that's really almost the the intricate problem um, with the way that our, uh, our culture as Americans is set up. Um, we're, we're known as America. We want to be the best at everything. We want everybody to, we say we want everybody to come here. We want it to be the land of the free and home of the brave. And, you know, we have all of these sayings, but then we build, then we build a fence and we tell people they can't come in here. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a fun, it's a funny thing. Thank you so much, Timory. I love, 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 love that. And so thankful that you're hanging out with us, even though you're not feeling well. Appreciate you. Paris, you had something? I have, I actually want to comment on Timory's song choice um, on a few different levels. I think that um, it definitely kind of puts a spotlight on America, but I think it's also to import Childish Gambino's background um, in pop culture. Um, So Childish Gambino has this show, Atlanta, which really even more deeply and just as deeply as this song examines um, I don't know if you guys have seen Atlanta, but it really examines like it's so good. 
um, the his, you know, history, things we didn't know, putting a crazy spin on it. Um, and so this song came out, I believe, in between like the third and fourth seasons. So it was really interesting to watch him to continue to expound upon that um, within his music. And then also there's another song that he has that goes with the movie, of course, Get Out, um, Stay Woke. And it's interesting that you guys just mentioned um, the word woke and um, what his original intentions were um, and how that song, along with the movie, again, delves more deeply into Black culture within America, American culture, American culture itself. Um, I just think Childish Gambino is an amazing storyteller and he has a way, like he did in both this song, in Atlanta, um, in Redbone, um, where he's able to say something on the surface, but he's saying something so deep um, within the context of those words as well. Usually a lot of something so deep. Like he never says, I love how you said that. Like he's not just saying one thing. He's Mm -hmm. usually saying a lot of different things. Like he, I really think he's such an underrated artist because he has so many great philosophical contexts that he's able to express visually and, and, you know, with his voice. And I just think it's extremely powerful that and I think a lot of people don't pay enough attention to that. You know, I think a lot of people think he's just some great artist and he's really mm-hmm. cool and he's got a baby face and he has nice, fun songs. Like people are not paying attention to the really deep underlying things that he's talking about. And I think that that's what makes um, his music so successful to the right crowds. You know what I mean? Like the the people who need to know what he's saying are, are getting it. But I also think it makes it a little bit dangerous in that there's the other crowd who's not understanding all of that at the same time. So I definitely who like TV show and don't really connect to those. Right. You're really not getting the message. You're just getting entertainment. And so it kind of it discredits his work and it discredits his art as well. I definitely agree with that. You know what? Um, And I'm Jasmine, I'm going to ask your opinion on this. As we were talking about this, I actually, this evening, um, I went to my daughter's, um, they, there was a, they were, we were doing a black history program. So at the black history program in the agenda, it said, or in the program rather, it says uh, in the African-American culture, music has always been a way for people of African descent to get their message across without people who didn't understand the culture understanding what was being said. And so they were talking about how even, you know, long before, you know, people were kidnapped and enslaved, you know, in the continent of Africa, people been singing and telling stories, you know? People have, you know, our our ancestors have literally passed down uh, stories and traditions through song. And if you don't know what to look for, you don't realize, hey, there's something more that's being said. So, you know, even when we bring it over into African-American culture or Black American culture, where we see, you know, for example, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, right? That's a really popular song um, during the time where enslaved people were taking their freedom. They were escaping. And so knowing that, knowing that there's a hidden message in there 
you know, it makes me start to think back to a lot of the material, even that we read now. So just like what Timory said about, you know, different things um, going into the songs and not just looking at what you're seeing right in front. Um, Jasmine, I just wanted to hear kind of your thoughts on that. You know, how, do you feel like the music of today's generation, that there are still hidden imagery um, or hidden messages that is in the music, um, particularly, you know, some of these songs that we're talking about that have to do with, you know, you know, decolonizing education or or the world in itself. Yeah. Um, so I definitely think so. I don't think many people outside of out, like black culture look deeply into music. Um, so one of the songs I had thought about talking about was Little Baby, The Bigger Picture. And I don't know if you guys know it, but it came out in kind of like his response to the murder of George Floyd and all the And it became a hit. He wasn't nominated for Grammy. It's like one of his best songs. Um, but he performed at the Grammys and there was a lot of like, um, anger in the news in response to that because of what it was about and he wore like um, a Black Lives Matter shirt during the performance and stuff and I don't think outside of Black culture like you said they don't look as deeply into the song as for like we would because we know we're experiencing that Do you have yeah, no. a few of the Go ahead, Paris. I'm sorry. No, I just wanted to know um, if you had like a few of the lyrics that you that you found um, that connected. I've, I've definitely heard the song before. I just um, want to talk, if we can, um, with our songs, talk about like a few of the lyrics. Um, yeah, so that wasn't actually what I decided to talk about. But I do know I have a couple of the lyrics. Oh, OK. Um, <laughs> you were just going back to what I was saying. Yeah, like that one Hi. kind of. Yeah, so like that one in particular, because it was like it was really popular in 2020. Like I said, it was one of mm-hmm. his best songs. Yeah, um, that's why I mentioned it. But like, um, let me pull up that. While you're doing that, Jasmine, I also think it's funny how you mentioned like a lot of people got upset about, or there was mention of getting upset about him doing that song and I think the funniest thing that I ever hear people say whenever they talk about these things is like why do we always have to bring politics into it why can't it just be music and like kind of going back to what Sonny said like for black people music has never always been just music like there's there's like messages and underlying things that are a part of it and like that is why music is so prevalent in our culture and I think it's hilarious or even with art, right? Like I have my bachelor's degree in art and even learning art, even white artists have always been political. It's always been about something other than what you're looking at. Whether it's in your face or whether it's not, it's always about politics. Like there's never something that somebody makes just for fun. You know, like, and I always think it's funny when people are like, why can't, let's just all stop arguing. Why can't it just be music or just be art? And I think that speaks to the guilt and comfortability that people desire or that people have because 
they are openly saying, I don't want to think about other bad things when I could just be experiencing my fun, enjoyable music. Like, I don't want to think about other things that make life hard for others when I could just be enjoying looking at a piece of art. And so I think that that's, it, it, tell, it, it tells on themselves a little bit, but it also speaks to the fact that like, they are not aware that it's always been like that. And if you think about it, if you think about the earliest times of our art and our music and our dance and our fashion becoming mainstream, it was never, it never became mainstream for us. It became mainstream to entertain them. And so if we look at it from that lens, it will never, it'll, it'll always be, why does it have to be political? Why does it have to have a message in it? When it was all, like you said, it always has had a message in it for us, but for you, you didn't acknowledge that pain. You didn't acknowledge that history and what you have deemed entertainment. It was always a way to make you feel good and make you feel happy. And so you'll never understand that context because you've never been willing to see that context. Agreed. Yeah. Um. I just. I was just asking my husband. Like, what was the group? What was the group that had "Old Dirty Bastard" in it? Um. My brain. Is it Wu Tang? Wu Tang. Thank you. Wu Tang. Yes. So I thought about like the um the lyrics in like a Wu Tang, the lyrics in NWA, right? Mm -hmm. Um. The lyrics of where these people were saying a lot, right? Mm -hmm. They're saying so much. And for, you know, you put it over a dope beat and suddenly it's being played everywhere mm -hmm. um, until, you know, somebody's like, wait, you're actually educating through this music. Then people start getting upset, right? So just like Jasmine was talking about, you know, that particular piece, you know, people, it's all fine and dandy if it's just, you know, a dope beat. But once people realize that there's education that is happening, then because, you know, with education comes freedom. So if once you start to educate people, suddenly it's like, oh my goodness, I can't manipulate these people anymore because now they're educating in a manner in which this next generation or the people who ascribe to this particular music not only can understand or receive well, uh, but they're also able to regurgitate it back. Uh, so I love that. I love, Jasmine, what you mentioned about um, just being mindful that Anytime, and I feel like any artist will say this, whether it's about, uh, like Timory said, art or music or theater. It's like anytime somebody starts to try to silence your art, you know that it's definitely oppression. Like something is happening here <laughs> that we gotta address. Um, so I love that uh, we're able to bring bring that to light. Jasmine, you had something? Yeah. So I just I pulled up some of the lyrics from that song in particular. And that's like always whenever I hear it, like stick out to me. So the first one is, we just some products of our environment. How the fuck are they gonna blame us? That's, which when you think about it, yeah. Yep. They put you in a situation. They kind of talk about in the new Candyman too, which is really good. Um, but they put you in the project or the ghetto and they tell you like, you can't leave. Like you have to look here, like there's, they make it almost impossible to even be able to move out of that situation. And then when they put drugs into the community and the drugs were getting sold and then black people were profiting off of those drugs and they're like, well, that's just not gonna work out and we're gonna throw you all in jail. And so that's one of them that really sticks with me. Um, 
I love that. Thank you, Jasmine. You're welcome. Um, there's one more. Um, the other one, they, they're supposed to protect us, throw us in handcuffs and arrest us while they go home at night. That shit is must die. Um, obviously, I feel like that one's pretty clear right. as to what that means. But, yeah. Um, like, and like I said, that was really, po- it was really popular. And before he, like, did the music video, which he actually shot the music video at a protest, um, it was popular, but nobody, like, took the time to actually listen to what he was saying. And I seen an interview with him, and he was talking about how, again, like, nobody really listened to him. But he was at the protest, and it made him think of his own kids. Um, Because I think he has, like, one or two kids. Mm -hmm. And... He said how he couldn't imagine, like, being a parent and looking at somebody else's kid and just killing them in cold blood, pretty much. Um, So, yeah, that's one where I feel like they don't don't really listen to the lyrics until it's later down the road and they want to, like, prosecute somebody for something. And they're like, well, in your song, Mm -hmm. you wrote about you murdered this guy. So we're going to use that again. Haven't has our music ever been used in court cases to defend our rights, though? You know what I mean? Like, oh no, we're not yeah. doing this. We don't need um, critical race theory. We don't need these things. Everything is fine. Well, if you pull up the thousand and one rap songs, if you pull up the thousand and one um, old Negro spirituals, if you pull these songs up and use them in a the court of law as well, you will see that they do. I think that's a very interesting point, Jess. So good. So good. Thank you, Jasmine. Um, so my song, uh, ladies, I um, chose this song. You you probably have heard it before, but you may not have realized that you heard it. Um, but it is from, I hope you guys have seen uh, Miles Morales, that Spider-Man, you know, that one. Um, so it's a song called Right. Um, and it starts, I'm going to read the lyrics and I want you to think about what I just said the name of the song is, right? So it starts off, bang. Who in here trying to start a riot? Let's go. Who in here trying to start a riot? Who's that flying in the air? That ain't no flying saucer. I'm shooting webs like worldwide. I'm headed all the way to Yonkers. When I say Brooklyn stand up, you better just fix your posture. Every hero needs his theme song. So who in here trying to start a riot? Okay. So that's the lyrics. What do you guys get from that? Now, mind you, this is Miles Morales. This is, you know, what we call the Black Spider-Man, you know, in Black households. It's the Black Spider-Man. But I never really, and I love that song. Like, I literally, my my family, we play it when we get hyped up, softball games, different stuff like that. But I never realized that it starts bang, and then it goes into who in here trying to start a riot. So... My thought, and I'd love to hear your lady, you ladies, um, but my thoughts were realizing like, oh my God, the bang is a gunshot. And the song is a response mm-hmm. to a gunshot going off, right? As we've seen repeatedly, unarmed black and brown, particularly men, but unarmed black and brown people have been 
uh, repeatedly murdered, um, especially by those in law enforcement, uh, without without any t- without most of them having repercussions. So the song starts off with that bang, and then it says, "Who are here trying to start a riot?" And I know we've had some we've had some conversations around rioting. You know, I think maybe our first podcast. Uh, but as he goes through there, I love how the language goes into, hey, who who's trying to start something? Because we tired, essentially. And then it goes on and it says, you know, he, he kind of likens that as Spider-Man. If you realize Spider-Man, um, particularly Miles Morales, lived in Brooklyn. So he was uh, black and Puerto Rican. You know, he's he's got, um, he's, he's a, a brown boy and he is... Um, for sure, you know, he's living in Brooklyn, you know, so he's East Coast and he's getting on the train, very urban. And so he kind of talks through being a superhero. Um, how do you be a super, you know, how to be a superhero? And he says, hey, if I say Brooklyn, stand up, just fix your posture. Like, you know, when, when I call for us to get together, everybody just stand up, put your shoulders back. And then he says, you know, every every hero needs a theme song. So who in here trying to start a riot? Almost to say that those who are um, causing the riot, riot or causing the ruckus per se, those are the real heroes. Like I was heavy into these lyrics, y'all. Once I actually started reading them, I was like, yo, this is crazy. So have y'all heard that song before? Anybody heard that song before? I haven't heard it before and I've seen that Spider-Man a few times. So I've heard it, but I've never listened to it. But it's it's a battle. It sounds like it's a battle cry, you know, like. Right! I, and I think right. that, especially if you think about, like you said, the Black Spider-Man and, um, you know, how excited, you know, our kids were, how excited we were to have that representation. I think it's a it's very powerful to have that. And did you say it's at the beginning of the movie? Well, it's it's actually kind of throughout the movie. Okay. We're going to, all these songs, we're going to play like at some point in here. We'll make sure that we put all the songs in the link. Yeah. But as I'm, as I'm going through the lyrics, y'all listen to this, it's like, you ain't got a chance, boy. You ain't got a chance, boy. What you think? I've thrown in everything but the kitchen sink. I try to be friendly in the neighborhood. I know all the little grannies want to sip their tea. But here you come all barging in, all ugly like a brown fur cardigan. We received the monologue and arguing, and I'm like, who in here trying to start a riot? It's literally talking yeah. about people coming into, almost like gentrification, like people coming into, you got on a brown card again, like you coming into this neighborhood, and you trying to, you know, we trying to be friendly, we trying to make sure the grannies can just chill, and here y'all come, and I'm tired of it, so yep. let's start a riot. Like, as I look through it, it's so, again, it goes back to what we were just saying about how, music just speaks. I took a course y'all um, in my undergrad. You guys know I got my undergrad from Springfield College in Massachusetts. Shout out to them. Um, and my undergrad is in human services. I took an elective uh, last summer or the summer before and it was called Music as a Form of Social Protest. Mm-hmm. And that professor walked us through every song that literally spurred change or spoke of change that was going on from every single genre for 15 weeks. It was amazing. And so when I look at these lyrics now, a song that I typically play to just hype myself up, I'm really thinking like, oh my goodness, they talk about gentrification. They're talking about black and brown people being being killed, being murdered. You know, unarmed barking around him being murdered. They're talking about all these things. I'm like, I never even paid attention to that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that was my that was one that was definitely my song for today. 
I really like that. And I like I the fact that it's in a, like, it's in a, a, a movie that our youth is watching. You know what I mean? So yes. it's a representation to even have a song like that that says, okay, y'all, it's our, you know, it's our time, it's our turn. What are we going to do about this? I think that's that's important for that for the generation yeah. um, in a way that says, okay, we, we, can, we can be tired, but we have to stand up. And when it's time to stand up, everybody make sure we do it together. Girl, wait, th- I'm telling y'all, this last, I'm going to read this last lyric to y'all because I'm like all into this now. It says, uh, so let them know. Uh, I'm sorry, make way. I'm coming through with my crew. Make them pay. I don't need no super suit. I'm feeling, pre- I'm feeling brave. Don't be a hero. Turn around and walk away. But I'm like, who in here trying to start a riot? Y'all, this is heavy. This is heavy. I wonder if we actually started really going through, just as we're doing with this assignment, and really thinking through some of the things that are being said. Like I think about James James Brown and thinking about when he said, I'm black and I'm proud, you know? Like he he was blatantly telling people in the in, you know, in the 60s, 70s, he's definitely telling people like, hey, y'all keep saying black as if it's something bad. But I want y'all to know I'm black and brown. Like I'm black and I'm proud. Like it's just amazing to really start, you know, pulling apart these particular lyrics and how they apply to today. I think that even ties back into what we discussed last week about with the pedagogy of the oppressed, right? Like nobody ever wants to say that it's violence until somebody responds to the violence that's already been happening to them. Ooh, right? Like, say that again. Timory, say it again. <laughs> that is so good. Yeah. Like, nobody ever wants to say it's violence until people respond to the violence that's already been happening to them. So that's why it, like, it made me so mad whenever I would see people talking about the riots that happened in response to George Floyd. And that the things that they focused on were like, well, how can they tear apart their own neighborhoods? How can they do that? Like nobody, people were responding to the wrong thing. Like, why are you not more mad that a man was killed on television by a police officer begging for his life and screaming for his mother? Like, why is it that you're more upset about people destroying stores than you are about a man losing his life? Like nobody wants to say that it's a riot or that it's violence or that it's an issue until people finally get so sick and tired of being killed and abused and oppressed until they get to the point where they explode and they retaliate. And then suddenly it's a problem. Then suddenly it's like, well, why can't you find a peaceful way to do this? Well, who was peaceful to any of us whenever they were kneeling on necks or shooting people? or strangling people, or even if we go back way historically, even taking people from their continent and forcing them to become a part of another culture and not even a part of that culture, but second class, lower than second class. You know, like everybody always wants to say like, be more peaceful and do it this way and do it that way. And I think that, you know, there's there's one particular line I can't remember it off of the show Amend on on Netflix um and I know I've referenced that show a few times but there's one particular (laughs) line where one of the speakers says like you don't want us to kneel you don't want us to stand you don't want us to march and you don't want us to sit and she's talking about like kneeling on the field yeah or like 
in response to like just standing peacefully yep. in front of like police and riot gear or right. sitting whenever people did sit-ins and stuff like that and she's like, like you don't want us to do any of that so how do you want us to protest and yeah. she says like the real issue is that you don't you don't want us to do any of that and so I think that's really the problem and when you talk about how he's referencing like um you know gentrification and yeah people coming into the neighborhood and taking it over and everything and you know who's who's really starting the riot here yeah and I think that's so important to acknowledge and help change people's thinking that you know let's consider what happened before that riot happened or before that person exploded let's think about that before we start talking about oh well they're just they're just having a riot and damaging things you know just because I think that's really important love that and Tim Marie, I'm just, I'm, somebody else can jump in on this, but I'm just going to reference, you know, typically, especially people who are talking about peace um, and always responding in a peaceful manner. We like to, you know, really talk about Dr. Martin Luther King, but in his uh, 1967 speech at Stanford, there is this, you know, portion that he says that people kind of skip over. He says, in the final analysis, a riot is the language of the unheard. Mm. And what is it that America has failed to hear? And so yes. I think it fits right with what you said, Timory, that, you know, it's easy. It's easy for someone to say, someone who hasn't um, experienced um, being oppressed, depressed, erased, um, having their culture completely erased. Um, it's easy for someone to say, oh, you got to respond peacefully. Mm-hmm. Well, tell that to the indigenous people that when 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 our uh, American ancestors were kidnapping their kids and if they yep. didn't give them their kids, they were like, well, y'all just not going to eat. Yo, tell, yep. that, tell that to them. Tell that to the, the you know, the grandmothers uh, who still remember when they couldn't go into certain restaurants. Like, it's not okay. So when they start seeing this stuff now, they fed up. Um, and mm-hmm. so the response is sometimes visceral. Uh, so, yeah, I, I thank you so much for bringing that up um, and thinking about, you know, how it applies to even the repercussions of things of today. I also think that because of today's um, accessibility to news, um, especially through social media, and we see it a lot, I almost call it like TikTok news now. Um, but because of that, the younger generation, they're not putting up with that. they like, we're not doing that. No, you, you, you know, you don't get you don't get to do that. They, they don't have as much. Um, I won't even say patience. They don't have to put up with as much because they've been taught. It's easy for them to go on and Google anything at this point. Um, so if you've seen people 60 years ago doing things, you're like, uh, uh-uh, uh, that was 60 years ago. You know, how some people be like, I am not my ancestors. Yeah, <laughs> I was <laughs> just about to say that. <laughs> Yes, I completely agree. And I think it also really speaks to the fact that, you know, like people who are our age, right? Like people who are our age, we have children. Like we all are teaching our kids different things and we're teaching them how to look deeper than the surface. And I think that's where we're starting to see these different educational programs and, you know, things like African studies and ethnic studies and, um, the Mexican-American studies and things like that, uh, Shito and different Chicana studies, anything like that, indigenous studies. I think that's where we're really starting to see is because, you know, we are a, a natural progression of our ancestors, right? Like our parents taught us certain things, whether they knew it or not. And we teach our children certain things, whether they know it or not. And I think 
making sure that our kids know to look deeper than the surface or to, um, you know, really search out those answers that you're not going to get from other places. And it's so simple to do that now, too, you know, and it's it's easy to look for those sources um, that are going to teach you the reliable sources. I want to I want to put that out there. Reliable sources. Please don't just run to your nearest person that you think is going to tell you what you want to hear. Search yeah. out reliable sources and and talk to the people that it's the that those situations are affecting and take them seriously. And I think that's really important and that that's what we're seeing today is that, you know, that's where a lot of these different things are coming from to the point where we're like, you know, no, I'm not just going to sit and let you do whatever you want or act any way that you feel, you know, it's, I think that's where we're really starting to see these different things for sure. Yeah, I love that. Paris, uh, Jasmine, were you guys going to say something as well? Um, yeah, so, um, you can go, Paris. Oh, no, go ahead, I'll wait. Okay, I was just going to say, the song that the second song I posted is from Vic Mensa. It's 16 shots, and it kind of goes along with what um, y'all are talking about, of how when there's violence and certain groups of people respond with violence, it's been talked about, but it's the response that's the problem, not the initial act. So in this song, um, he, I don't know if I should read all of it because there's a lot of cursing in it, but um, one of the lyrics when you're talking that came to my mind was, it ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun, when I talk back, police better run. And um, a little backstory on this song in particular, it is about the murder of Laquan McDonald, um, who was shot 16 times by the police. Um, so that it just reminded me of that, and I could just throw that in. Um, there's a couple other lyrics that are like always stick with me. Um, this ain't conscious rap. This shit is ignorant. Um, which obviously, if you're not like listening to the song really like looking deeper into the song um it's not it's like okay what does that mean but i take it as he's not like your typical rapper or musician who makes music that's supposed to be conscious rap i guess um (laughs) it's like he's mad and he wants to tell you and he's calling for action to do that um yeah for 16 shots and the cover-up that followed there is a documentary on it on showtime actually if you guys have it i can i can send it to you guys um it's really good it's also on amazon prime i think um but yeah that was good jasmine thank you paris you had something um, I read um, The Fire Next Time by James Baldwin this week, and um, there were a few things while I was going through that really resonated. And what you guys are talking about now, um, um, James Baldwin says that, um, well, Malcolm X is talking about like the nonviolence movement. He points out that the cry of violence was not raised, for example, when the Israelis fought to regain Israel, and indeed it's raised only when Black men indicate that they will fight for their rights. 
There is no reason that Black men should be expected to be more patient, more forbearing, more far-seeing than whites. White men do not want their lives, their self-image, or their property threatened. And I was like, yep, this is just, this is exactly it. It's not a problem when the violence is bestowed upon us. It's only a problem when we respond to violence because then it's just a threat to that image that they are trying to maintain and the lies that they're continuing to tell. So the James Barwin is ugh, unmatched. We might have to do another one about the books that we read. <laughs> We might need to do another one about books that read. So um, I actually have this playlist. Um, I started it when I was in my music as a form of social protest course at Springfield. Um, and so I have this, uh, <laughs> I have this playlist called Black Eat Black Black, right? And it's all like empowering songs that I felt like affirmed me as a black woman. Um, and being part of the black community. And so I've got songs in there from, like I mentioned, you know, James Brown, Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud, Bob Marley, Get Up, Stand Up. Of course, Start a Riot by Duckworth. Um, there's a song called No Cap by Marcus Aaron, Fight the Power by Public Enemy. There's a whole list. I might have to just add the list uh, <laughs> into the description. Brown Skin Girl by Beyonce, Optimistic by Sounds of Blackness. Get by by Talib Kweli. Like, there's so much uh, that's on here. Um, Don't touch my hair by Solange. Come on, that's that's the classic. You got to get that black gold. Esperanza Spalding. I have so many, um, but as I'm now, I'm really interested about going through there and looking at all the lyrics. Um, I did my my second song that I really wanted to kind of bring up, and I don't even know if we have time for this, but y'all, if have you all heard? Five Five. That's how you say it. Five Five. Have y'all heard that by uh, Toby Nigue? Guys, y'all gotta hear it. Oh goodness, y'all gotta hear it. Five Five is amazing. Um, there is this. It. I love it because it's uh, it's Toby Nigue and his wife is also um, featured in there. They call her Fat Fat. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, and but he talk. Uh, you know, both of them are rapping on there. And she talks about, um, she talks about, you know, growing up, you know, not having a, you know, not having a parent, you know, being, you know, her mother being a single mother, um, having to um, raise their family, having to do things differently. Um, she talks about how, hey, you cannot be, um, you know, if, if you, <laughs> if you an absent father, you trash, essentially, you know. It's just like she just goes on and on about how her father was inactive. Her mom had to adapt. Um, she was raised in the slums um, and she kind of talks through it. But I love it's literally like a biography. And so I felt like I was getting to know them. But then she continues to talk about, hey, this is my history now. She, you know, she goes on. She says, I'm a, I'm a young queen. I'm a mother. Um, if you breed and you don't care for your seed, you know, what what are you? Um, you know, and so she goes on and kind of just really talk to the, puts her post on the culture and what needs to be um, discussed. And then there's, um, if you guys haven't heard, there's another song that Toby Nigway does called I Need You Too. Um, and it's about Breonna Taylor. And he goes, the whole song is maybe 40 seconds. And he's, it literally says, arrest the killers of Breonna. Taylor and that's all it says over and over um and it, 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 it like over and over it says but it's so mesmerizing how he just 
pulls it out of you. So I definitely gonna have to post that one as well. Um, there's so much uh, music and there's so much social activism that is happening through the music. Um, it, it has always happened through music, but I think we're still seeing, I'm thankful that we're still seeing it um, even in today's music as well. Anybody else have um, any more? I think we said all of them. No, <laughs> I didn't do mine. <laughs> okay, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Brittany. No, it's okay. So the song I did was um, Changes by Tupac. Um, Ooh, yes. It's literally, my father is a Tupac aficionado. Um, so I grew up listening to the good and bad of Tupac. Um, uh-huh. And I've always, um, I grew up reading The Rose That Grew From Concrete. So I've always really dug really deeply into Tupac um, history and background. And so um, even listening to the song as a whole is just like, there. What, where are the changes, right? Um, but the part that really stood out to me for this assignment, um, he says, um, it's time to fight back. That's what Huey said. Two shots in the dark, now Huey's dead. I got love for my brother, but we can never go nowhere unless we share with each other. We got to start making changes, learn to see me as a brother instead of two different strangers, two distant strangers. Um, and that's how it's supposed to be. Um, and so this really like for me went back to all of the reading that we've done um and especially the um what we read last week pedagogy of the oppressed um and how it really has to start with love um and how that love is both with the oppressor and amongst ourselves and it has to start with ourselves we all have to get on the same page we really all have to experience that deep love for one another um and that's the only way that we can begin to even make that change and so that was really important to me um i also this week have started reading um all about love by bell hooks and something that she says that um that went into you know the things that we're learning about the now we'll learn um is that love is the um will to act with intention um and it's an action and so just all of those things going together um this song really it motivates me it makes me to again re-examine everything that we're going through right now and this song is what 30 years old i mean Pac is the child of panthers um he has had his own he had his own you know um place in both pop culture and within black culture as well and he definitely had some struggles um but he always spoke about knowing what that foundation is and i think that he definitely um you know did what he i think he was learning he was in the process of learning before he was murdered um and through his music some of those things have still been coming to light yeah i think um I honestly think, I think Pac was a genius. Absolutely. And I think that, I actually think that if he'd have been born in his mother's age, just like Mm -hmm. his parents, he definitely was Black Panther material. Um, I think that, I actually think that he was ahead of his time. Like I think that evolved um, as far as, like he just had the ability to tell people like he was gonna tell you how it was. He wasn't gonna tap dance around it, yep. you know. Um, and I, I can, you know, I think sometimes, you know, again, just like uh, Tim Marie said at the beginning, we get distracted by, you know, yep. some of the gang activity. We're not talking about this kid had to become a gang in order to be safe in a community that uh, systemically had been oppressed. So this was the only type of family that he really could have to have some type of protection because his mother was busy working. You know what I'm saying? So um, if we kind of, you know, sometimes the 
the sometimes the uh, ideology that surrounds some of these um, these rappers, even yeah. some of these um, even some of these um, these felons. You yep. know, y'all know I, I got love for the felon. You know, and so. Um, you know, sometimes we look at them not recognizing. Uh, I, I'll tell y'all the song I almost did was uh, "What Would You Do" by City High. Mm. What would you do when child is at home crying all night on the bedroom floor because she's hungry, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you really think about it, you like, yo, I probably, I would do anything for my kid. So to look at a, you know, to look at somebody who has nothing, doesn't have any family, and to see the situation that they're in, however they got there, yep. it's like I had to, I stopped judging people because it's like, yo. So I said the same thing about Pac. I said the same thing about, uh, a, 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 you know, a lot of these felons and you know people who are in jail or incarcerated. Um, when you're when you're when you're dealt a, a bad hand or not given a hand at all, mm-hmm. and you're hungry and you got to steal to eat. That's an American problem. You know what I mean? I'm like, why? How are we the richest country and we have all of these kids that have to rely on free lunch at school? You know, like it just becomes so bigger. So I love that you brought um, Tupac into it because I always felt like he was such a genius and just so far, like, just I think in his genius, he was so far ahead of the time. He was talking about things without apology. Yep. And people are very uncomfortable with people who do not apologize. Like in, in any aspect you're in, this is why, you know, when we say black power, when we say black pride, people are so offended because if you are uh, if you are authentically you, unapologetically authentic, people get uncomfortable with that. We see it when, you know, as women in the workforce, in the classroom, people will get offended when you are authentically you. And when you don't make any apology for it. And so it's so interesting to me um, that, you know, sometimes people think of these uh, these poets, you know, like Biggie, like, like Tupac, like um, Toby and Nikwe, Some Like you're thinking about some of these, these um, poets who have put a sick beat underneath it. And I'm like, man, what was the difference between this person and James Baldwin? Yep. What was the difference between this person and Shakespeare? You know, what's the difference between, you know, and you think about these artists, like, yo, what's the difference here? Um, and we know what it is, it's, you know, racism, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you. For, well, I am so glad that you brought Tupac up. I love this because I was literally, <laughs> as you talked, I put it in there. That is so funny. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with what, both of you are saying you know like and I think Paris or I'm sorry not Paris Sunny I love that you brought up like people get mad when you're unapologetic but the thing that I think I've been learning over the years is that I think people are gonna get mad at black people regardless I think that people are gonna be mad no matter what you do just because of who you are and so I think and maybe this is just part of me getting older in life too like Part of me has just been like, well, who cares? I don't care anymore. You know, like, I don't I don't care because people are going to be pissed off no matter what I do. People are going to be pissed off if I'm too quiet. People are going to be pissed off if I'm too loud. People are going to be ticked off if I'm unapologetic and people are going to be ticked off if I am apologetic. So I'm just going to be me. And if you don't like it, then that's fine, because historically it doesn't matter what black people have tried to do and especially black women like it doesn't matter people have always found some reason whether 
arbitrary or not that they don't like us or that they have a problem with how we live our life or what we do and you know you can't win so why not just be unapologetically you you know there used to be a time back when I was younger where I would just you know be quiet or you know I wouldn't say how I felt about things or I wouldn't speak up or I didn't want to seem like I was too smart and like intimidate people and I finally got to the point where I was like you know what there's people who are going to think I'm intimidating no matter what I can remember being in middle school and elementary school and I don't know how many times I heard people be like oh my god I thought you were so mean and like really am I intimidating or are you intimidated like that's the difference here it's not that I'm doing anything in particular it's that you are intimidated by me and that's not my problem your perception of me is not my problem so I think that you know when we talk about these artists are just unapologetic and don't care like the people are gonna be ticked off no matter what we do so I think that they finally just found the strength whether it's an artist whether it's a scholar whether it's anybody that you want to talk about an activist anybody that you want to talk about who finally got to that point where like well you know what people are going to be mad no matter what I do so I'm just gonna go ahead and I I think that's why we love them so much and they're so important in our culture you know we talk about Tupac and Biggie and we talk about I even think like just Ice Cube and you know we talked about Wu-Tang and all of these different wonderful artists but there's so many influential people out there who have talked about real things that have made people mad no matter what it is and I think the takeaway from that is just People are going to be mad regardless, so you may as well People just gonna be, mad. be honest. Yep. I love that. Y'all, this was like amazing. We, we got good taste in music. <laughs> we do. We do. I know. I'm like writing everything down because I'm going to go look up a bunch of things that I haven't listened to in a while or that I haven't heard. So I'm excited. This was a good one for sure. This yeah, we definitely going to post all of Go Go ahead, Debbie. Okay, sorry, this is not really relevant, but kind of, because you made me think of this dinner. Um, you Like, just, like, all of the artists that, like, have meanings behind their song and, like, you mentioned, like, YouTube and stuff. But, so there's one in particular that comes to mind who I kind of want your opinion. Kanye West. Because... Um, as I don't know if you guys know, but like his parents were like in the Black Panther Party. I believe his mom was, or his dad, his mom taught at an HBCU. Um, so like they instilled Black pride in him and everything, you know? Um, and you can see it in his songs from the beginning, like All Falls Down. He talks about, we're trying to buy buy back our 40 acres. And for that paper, look what we'll do. And then where he is now. What, what do you guys I'm going to actually lean into Timory here because my personal opinion, I am not a professional. Um, I think that um, when I, as I watched the evolution of Kanye, I felt like he had a, and this is, I'm not a counselor. So that's why I said I'm going to ask Timory, you know, from her studies, what she thinks. I felt like um, he had a traumatic event 
um, that he either didn't get support for or counseling for, and it has literally eroded. Um, I feel like every time I see him um, for, and just watch the evolution of his career, I felt like when his mother passed um, that there was no help for him. He didn't get help. And so what I'm seeing now is more um, someone who really needs a lot of help um, versus is this actually who he is as a person? And again, I don't want to give, I'm not giving excuses for him or anything like that. I'm just saying that's my opinion. So that's why I said I'm going to lean into Timory because, you know, that's how I've always thought of it myself. Well, Sunny, I agree with you. Like, I do think his mom, like, dying after having plastic surgery that, you know, like, who, like, who wouldn't that scar in a way, you know? Um, but he has said, like, he was diagnosed with, like, bipolar or something. But I think even, like, if you look at music-wise, how his music has changed. Like, his album that he did for his mom was still really good. He didn't, I don't know. I feel like he lost, he lost his goal. Or, like, I don't know how to I, I it. I felt like he was heartbroken. Like, I felt like he was heartbroken and he, and he just started making music that, well, first of all, we know, like, especially early on when you're making music, even when you're amazing, you're still, unless you own the actual, and I don't know, so unless you own the actual radio, <laughs> um, I'm sorry, not the radio, but the company that is producing your music, somebody else still has a say in what music is going, you know, on there. I know we, right. you know, we're like, oh, the artist does this or that, but the truth is, is this a whole team that's making these decisions for the most part, unless you are literally putting it out completely yourself. So, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot to that, which is why I think uh, Paris mentioned when she was talking about kind of like underground artists and things. Um, even when I thought I brought up like Wu-Tang Clan, they really got famous because they were already putting their stuff out. Same thing we saw with Master P. He was putting his own stuff out. So he was like, ain't nobody going to tell me what to put out. Um, but sometimes some of these other people, you know, they don't necessarily have that. I don't know enough about it to be, you know, we need some Kanye experts to maybe have have a conversation with us, and I'm not. I, yeah, I used to enjoy Kanye. I I mean, like obviously, like his newer stuff is not is not for me. But like, even when you look at Blood on the Leaves, that was a hit song. You sampled Nina Simone's Nina Simone. Sorry, yeah, Nina Simone's Strange Fruit, which is literally a song about like black people being killed and um hung in trees and it's a song about like I don't even know the point of the song where like, I don't think there's a point of the song and I just think I guess relating it kind of like when we we're talking about Tupac he had all of this that he could have done and Tupac, you know, his life was cut short. He didn't get to achieve most of what I'm sure he could have. He could have done amazing, more amazing things than what he did. Whereas now you see with like Kanye, it just kind of fizzled out. And he's created like his own debate of like, is he, can he still be considered like a musical genius when there's no point to his music anymore? He's, you know, I don't know if what I'm saying that makes sense. 
I think I think I agree with Sunny a little bit in, in that I'm no expert. I think critical psychology often gets misunderstood a little bit because it's not necessarily the science of psychology. It's a lot of the um, psychological theories that that go into our psychological practices and changing them to be more um, more inclusive and consider different cultures and things like that. But that being said, um, I think Kanye has a lot of mental health issues, kind of like you have talked about, Jasmine, um, that he's been very open about. And I think even if that is an explanation, it is not a it's not a justification. So, you know, for me, I was willing to cut Kanye a lot of slack for a while. Um, but I think when he said 400 years of slavery was a choice, that was kind of it for me. Anybody oh, who's yeah. going to... He's, def- he's definitely not coming to the cookout, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> like any, anybody who wants to sit and say that, like, 400 years of oppression and slavery and rape and murder is a choice is just, like, that's, that's, the, that's the limit for me. That's where I draw the line. And I think he kind of ended up doubling down when he was supporting Donald Trump, who we know is extremely divisive and um, has extremely racist ideologies. And, you know, Kanye has even further admired himself with his, you know, anti-Semitic talk. And I think that, yes, we understand that he has mental illness, Mental illness is not an excuse for all the things. Like I said, it's an explanation, but I know plenty of people who have mental illnesses, including myself, who aren't going to say some wild off the wall nonsense like that. That is extremely hurtful to the people who have worked hard to try to overcome those things that were systemically put against them. And then have also been working hard to overcome a in my opinion a tyrant who is trying to enforce racially divisive and you know saying these horrific things about marginalized people and putting these horrific laws in place for marginalized people and who has made um you know people who were undercover racists come out and be fully out there and um even more abrasive in their ideologies somebody who supports that I mean to me it just you know it's I I feel like it's more of an Uncle Tom move on my part like I I was willing to cut a lot of slack for a long time but that that was kind of it for me for sure but like I said I we don't all know all of his history and we know that you know he's been through some things and we're never gonna know the full story but um I don't know. I don't know what the full story would have to be for me to say like, oh, okay, that makes sense for your comments. Like, I don't know if there's a good enough reason for him to make oh, public yeah. comments like that. Yeah. But that Agreed. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. That's good stuff, y'all. That's good stuff. Yo, Lord, we don't start talking about Kanye. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't trying to. I just... To me, because I did for a while, like, I do think he was 
you know, like he he created good music. He knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He, you know, and I do think he was he could be considered like a genius. But so I always I always wonder that of like do other people still place him in that category? Because like I said, his other music before did have a lot of themes where he mentioned um, problems in the black community and social problems and all of that. Um, so I just, I don't know. I just kind of want to throw them there and see. No, that's a I good guess. thought. That's yeah, I think it's definitely a good topic. I think maybe one of these podcasts we should definitely do like um, people who are like device, like people are on the fence about, you know, like maybe we should do that as a topic one day and kind of talk about that because I've heard people say the same things about like, well, not the same exact things, but a situation that came to my mind was like um, Rachel Dolezal, right? Like I've heard some black people sit and say, who cares if she's not black? She did a lot for the black community. And then there's other people who are like, absolutely not. That is not okay. So like, it's interesting to consider people who are, you know, who people are are, are very divided over. So maybe we can make that a podcast episode too and jump more into Kanye. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, I think we... Um... I think we've been able to kind of cover um, throughout. I'm excited about um, the next couple of weeks um, as we finish out um, this particular course and get to um, get some more podcasts out there. But um, so appreciative, ladies, for you all sharing all of your favorite songs. Um, we'll make sure to do. We'll put them into a. Um, we'll put them into one particular. Um, you know, into the description so that everybody has an opportunity to check out any of the songs that we might have mentioned. Other than that, I think that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening to Making the Table Black Women Podcast. Never forget, Instead of waiting for a seat at the table, make your own table.